Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, we're looking back to the big festivities of last weekend. Not the celebration of King Charles in London, but instead the celebration of King Warren in Omaha. The latest meeting of shareholders in Berkshire Hathaway has just taken place with attention, as always, on its 91-year-old chairman and CEO, Warren Buffett. What latest words of wisdom did he have for his devotees in Nebraska? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us, or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. One line stood out from the letter sent by Warren Buffett to shareholders in Berkshire Hathaway ahead of their annual meeting, which took place last weekend. At Berkshire, he said, there will be no finish line. That resonates for a couple of reasons. First, because it speaks to the formula behind Buffett's and Berkshire Hathaway's tremendous investing success, buying great businesses and holding on to them forever. But secondly, because it hints, with Buffett's usual understatement, of course, that he, if not his company, will in fact face a finish line at some point. And at age 91, after 58 years at the head of his investing empire, it's fair to say that Buffett is closer to the end of his race than the start. So while we have him, we'll be reveling in the latest dose of Buffett wisdom on the podcast this week. And to do that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, investment director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, It was the Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholders meeting this past weekend. We're going to focus on that, but also on the letter sent to shareholders a couple of months beforehand, February, I think. Um, Did you, I wonder, like me, when reading that letter, detect a hint of uh, Buffett in a more reflective mood, perhaps in a slightly retrospective mood? Yeah, I think so. Uh, It was an interesting letter. I mean, the the letters to shareholders are always interesting, actually. Um, uh, They come out in, in the annual report in sort of February each year, and they are always worth a read. They're full of uh, interesting insights into the investment world um, and and life generally. But you're, you're right that this, this one in particular did feel slightly more uh, introspective. Uh, I, I wrote about it last week, and, and I described parts of it as almost, almost like a love letter to America on the one hand, which, yes. of course, has been so... Uh, instrumental in the success of of, of, of Buffett, um, and also to his uh, friend and partner uh, Charlie Munger, who um, uh, both of whom they're both they're both men in their nineties now. They've been working together for well over half a century, um, and it did just have that feel of a of a of a slightly looking back uh, on a long uh, and very successful life. Charlie Munger's ninety nine. Yes, uh, yes, that's right. He's. I think. Yeah, he is. In, I think he's born on New Year's Day. Actually, I think his hundredth right. birthday is next New Year's Day. Gosh. Um, well, look, Tom. I mean, maybe we should have done this at the start. But in case anybody needs it, let's give some context. Who is Warren Buffett? What is Berkshire Hathaway? And why is always uh, a fuss made of, of this time of year when there's this shareholder meeting? Yeah, so Warren Buffett is an investor. Uh, he is, uh, as a result of his very successful investments, uh, one of the four or five richest men in the world. At times, he has been the richest man uh, in the world. And Berkshire Hathaway is his principal um, uh, investment vehicle for almost 60 years now um actually it's an interesting story because it actually started out um as a uh, a company a listed company which he kind of reversed into that's right it was a textile mill in massachusetts yeah and uh, which he bought and very quickly it became apparent that this was a dying a failing a failing company but the the listing um he built on and and and, and it was the beginnings of what has become a 
really an investment phenomenon. Those routes are quite instructive when you when you look at the kind of Buffett story overall. Berkshire Hathaway, I always find, because I, I, I'm always tempted to write the founder of Berkshire Hathaway, because he's not the no, founder. not at all. No, <laughs> not the founder. No, no, the company existed before he reversed into it. This is not Warren Buffett uh, PLC or anything else. Um, and that itself is, is informative because, of course, he saw no need to change the name. Why spend the money on doing that? You know, it speaks to his kind of pragmatism, his resourcefulness, his sort of no-nonsense approach. Well, absolutely. I mean, he knows what's important and what is not important. I mean, a couple of good examples of that. He, uh, if, you, if, you look at the, um, if you look at the Berkshire Hathaway uh, annual report, it, it looks like something that was typed up on an old sort of Remington typewriter yeah. in, the, in the 1960s. <laughs> I mean, there's, there is no, um, uh, no concern about um, design um, guidelines or anything like that. It's, it's, it's very simple. And the other, the other point which, which argues to, to this same point is that uh, he still lives in the same house in Omaha, Nebraska, that he bought when he was you know, in his early 30s, getting married, and he's still there, you know. Uh, and in fact, he made some reference to that in, in this year's letter about how he, how pleased he is when he looks at his fellow um, shareholders in, in, in Berkshire Hathaway, and how, I, I think, as he put it, how infrequently um, they are concerned uh, about look-at-me assets, is how he described it, um, or vanity projects, that kind of thing. I mean, he's, he's, he's a very simple man yeah I, although i mean i you always read these these letters and this sort of yeah this humbleness that he definitely has and, and if you see him um in sort of news coverage or footage or whatever he's, he's 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 very erudite but he's also a very particular kind of brain isn't he he's very numeric and he's very uh he's very logical but he is very humble it's quite easy to be humble when you've had amazing investing success and as always with these shareholders letters there's a big long list of um, Berkshire Hathaway percentage returns on the one side and S&P 500 returns on the other and a, ca- a comparison between the two and, and it's startling isn't it? Yeah I mean the numbers are really really fascinating and, and, and actually if you are if you're assessing um, Berkshire Hathaway in anything other than a sort of anecdotal way like we like we've been doing then uh, just look at those numbers the uh, he, he lays out um, the performance of Berkshire Hathaway in each of the 58 years since he reversed into this textile mill. Um, and next to it are the, the equivalent figures for the S&P 500, the total return from, from the S&P 500. Over that period of 58 years, um, Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway have returned uh, 19.8% total return a year. Annualised return. E- ev- not every year, but annualised um, over that 58-year period, the S&P 500 has returned 9.9%, so exactly half um, the return yeah. of Berkshire Hathaway. And, I mean, we often talk about, you know, the power of compounding, but it is remarkable when you see it over such a long period of time because over that period of time, the, the, the S&P 500 index has returned 25,000%. But just by doubling it on an annualised basis, Berkshire Hathaway has returned, I, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's something like 3.8 million percent. It's 150 <laughs> yeah. times better than, than the US Over stock market. Over that extraordinarily long period. And a period which has been you know, remarkable for the US stock market. So to, yeah. to, to beat it 150 times over 
is a quite staggering performance. Yeah, and an exercise, look, this occurred to me about um, 10 minutes before we came in to record, but what I really should have done is taken those returns and put them into a chart to see exactly where they came. Because maybe you wouldn't be surprised to hear that some of the big wins or big winning years came quite early on in that in that process. There, there have been more recently big wins uh, versus the market for Berkshire Hathaway. Also some years when it hasn't beat beaten the market, obviously. But I mean, you know, certain years in the 70s and the 60s were, you know, 100% returns for Berkshire Hathaway, obviously from a much, much, much smaller base. Mm. So it's easier to do that sort of thing. Um, but that's what adds up and gets you your return. So it's kind of a lesson in staying the course and, mm. and you know, riding the ups and the downs. Yes, I mean, undoubtedly, some of the best returns would have been um, achieved uh, early on. And it's almost like the reverse of this thing we sometimes talk about sequencing risk when you're taking money out of a out of a pension you want your you want your good returns to be early on well likewise when you're growing a portfolio you want some good returns early on to build up your capital in order that the gains build on a on, on a bigger base that it's certainly true but the nature of Buffett's investment style uh, which is very much a value-driven style, not chasing um, stock market fads at all, mean that uh, his performance is very different from the overall stock market. And in many of the years when the stock market has done badly, I'm thinking particularly of you know the, the, the years after the, the, the dot-com bubble burst, for example, um, when the market did badly, um, Berkshire Hathaway did did very well, and the and the reverse is true. Yeah. It, di- it didn't participate in some of these spectacular rises in the in again the dot com bubble. For yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, we've gone way off script here, Tom, but it, it is interesting talking about um, Berkshire Hathaway as an entity. It's a conglomerate, isn't it? So it will act like a fund in some respects. It will take positions in in the shares of other companies. Mm. And of course, in that position, Buffett has no say in the management, particularly of the company, apart from being an incredibly influential investor, of course. Um, But then there's also another suite of companies which are wholly owned by Berkshire. Basically, he makes hiring decisions in terms of management Mm. and he will steer things and what Mm. have you. Um, He's got more of a sort of hands-on approach to those companies. And it's interesting, isn't it, between... Uh, you know, Berkshire Hathaway's relationship to the, to the wider market because it will replicate undoubtedly some of the returns of the market because it owns so much of so many of the biggest companies. There's some really interesting detail actually in the letter this time round about how much of the S and P 500 Berkshire actually owns. Mm. Yes, I mean it's a curious hybrid, Berkshire Hathaway, because in in some ways uh, it is like a fund. Um, of investments, uh, but in other ways, it's more like a conglomerate. It is the owner of 100% of a wide range of businesses. So it's a, it, it, it owns a very big um, insurance or, or a set of insurance companies, for example, but then it also owns mobile home manufacturers, um, yeah. suite manufacturers. I mean, a whole range of different businesses which it owns in, in their entirety. Um, and, that's, and that's interesting in itself because that's an indication of, of Buffett's uh, belief that as an investor, a true investor is, is, an, is an owner of a business, yeah. even if only a partial owner of yeah, a business. Yeah, they, they'll say that. We're, we're not stock pickers, we're, we're business pickers. Yeah. But having said that, uh, the success of Berkshire Hathaway would not have been possible were it not for the fact that actually 
um, Buffett and Charlie Munger are actually also good stock pickers. So they 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 have taken advantage over the years of um, the fact that the owners of businesses generally will not give them away on the cheap. But yes. the stock market periodically, um, when when markets fall, will give away investments for prices that are well well below their underlying value. So it's a combination of the two approaches, buying great businesses and holding them forever on the one hand, but also taking advantage of the stock market's mispricing of assets. And he gives two really good examples in the latest letter, um, Coca-Cola and American Express, yeah. both of which he bought um, uh, coincidentally for the same price, $1.3 billion each in the mid-1990s, uh, uh, um, within a year of each other. And um, the two companies are now worth, one is worth 25 billion and one is worth 22 billion. I can't remember which way around it is. But anyway, they've had a spectacular rise in value over that nearly 30 year period. But what's really interesting is um, the amount that, that Berkshire Hathaway is taking out of those two businesses in dividends now. Between the two of them, he earned last year a billion dollars in um, dividends. He paid $2.6 billion for the, for the stakes in those two companies. It's a fantastic uh, illustration of the power of compounding and why sticking with investments, you know, just works over the long haul. Yeah. And, and it was actually that, that, that passage in the, in the letter where he's talking about these businesses. He's it, basically to frame it, he is, he's sort of trying to um, explain where the returns have come from over the years. And actually, I think he says at one point, you know, it's about having these, these big winners. Actually, most of your returns are are driven by these big winners. If you're in the kind of sort of long-term game that he's in. Um, And and it was, yeah, it was interesting to read that. And it was part of the reason why I said at the start that maybe he was in a slightly sort of analytical looking back mode Um, because, you know, clearly, uh, there will come a time when he's not doing this anymore. I mean, mm. I mean, he he spent a lot of time talking about Charlie Munger. As we said, he'll, Charlie Munger will be 100 mm. by the time the next letter comes out. So clearly, uh, Buffett's kind of looking back as much as he's looking forward. Yes, well, and indeed, he's looking forward as much as he's looking back because <laughs> um, at, at the at the meeting uh, at the weekend, um, his his successors and essentially he's got two successors as a, a successor to run the the very big insurance companies and then there's an there's another guy greg abel who's essentially running all the non-insurance uh, businesses and they have they had a much higher profile at this weekend's um meeting than they've ever had in the past so it does feel like there is very much a changing of the guard um, going on. But for the thousands and thousands of people that, that, that made their way to Omaha, Nebraska uh, on a Saturday um, in, in May, as they do year after year, um, they absolutely were there to, to, to capture some of the, you know, the wit and wisdom of, uh, of, of Warren Buffett while they still can. Yeah, and 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 you mentioned earlier his his sort of love letter to to America. That I suppose is the forward looking part of this. There's a passage where he talks about you know it never having made sense to bet against America. He would not have had any of the anywhere near the success had it not been for the uh, I can't remember the phrasing he uses, but basically the 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 American growth story mm. over seventy eighty years, really since the war, um, and and he's betting on that continuing into the future and I think he says that anyone reading this they'll probably enjoy the same success doing that 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's clearly, you know, a very a highly intelligent man and, a, and, and, and has been a great investor over the years. But he has also had the benefit of operating um, during a 50 year period of peace and prosperity for, 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 for the US in its home market anyway mm-hmm. um uh, and you know a remarkable period of growth uh, for for america so uh yes i think there was there was an element about this of almost sort of saying thank you to america for giving yeah. me this opportunity and one of the ways he illustrates his, his his thanks is he talks about you know the the enormous amount of um money which berkshire hathaway um pays yeah. in tax i think he he said that one tenth of one percent of every dollar that the u.s government spends which is an astronomical uh, sum yeah. of money comes from from Berkshire Hathaway, and he illustrated said, you know, if you put if you put dollar bills one on top of the uh, each other over the last ten years, uh, it would be uh, twenty one miles high or something. I mean, it was a yeah. He uses sort of all these sort of highly visual mm. um, comparisons to get his point across, and that was that there. He was talking the difference between a million dollars, a billion dollars, and then the thirty two billion or whatever yeah. they're paying in tax, yeah. um, and and you feel like he's in that. A sort of educational uh, sort of uh, mode when he when he talks that way, and it, and he doesn't ever begrudge the tax. You know, there are some business leaders that are constantly bemoaning uh, levels of tax and how that's going to make the whole economy uncompetitive. He seems to be proud to pay the levels of tax that the company does. To put it another way, he said that if there were a thousand Berkshire Hathaways if you know a thousand other companies doing what his company has been doing no one would have to pay any other tax yes. beyond those <laughs> beyond those companies yeah. so he's obviously very very proud of the money that um goes to the US treasury from from his from his companies um and and also he we know he said he's going to give away the vast majority of his own personal wealth as well so mm. uh, you know, it, 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 he is he occupies a unique place, doesn't he, in in capitalism, if that's not too grand a way of putting it. You know, in the letter, there's the usual sort of railing against, you know, some of the kind of chicanery and accounting in sorry in accounting that you see in the rest of Wall Street, somewhere where he's never really operated. Mm. He, he does stand apart from all that, and that will be a miss won't it when mm. he's no longer around yes well i mean it's interesting you should mention wall street because where 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 he has become involved in wall street it's tended to be um uh staging rescue operations at, uh, after periods in which wall street has um you know done what it always does and blown up and you yeah. know done things badly famously he said when he when he rescued um salomon brothers um he said he said something along the lines of you know look if you lose money for for berkshire hathaway then i'll be understanding of that yeah but if you um threaten uh our reputation in any way then absolutely i'll have zero tolerance for that and that i think is 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 probably the real measure uh, of the man that actually how he comes to be um remembered is more important to him than than the money he made the money is almost like keeping the score uh, but for him doing the right thing with the money is is key yeah, well, um, Tom, let's be optimists and say that we're going to have many more Warren Buffett letters to pour over in the future. Um, for now, though, that is all the time we have. So thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. 
Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.